So we're in this series called Standing on Shaky Ground, Five Ways to Kill a Relationship. And what we're doing in this series is we're looking at kind of coarse relational sins that the Bible talks about in an attempt to be aware of them and to strengthen our relationships. And there is nothing in the world that matters like relationships, for better or for worse. I mean, when you think about your greatest joys in life, they're often relational. When you think about your greatest pain in life, it's often relational. There is just nothing in the world that matters like relationships. And today, we're looking at another way that you can kill a relationship. And that is to be unforgiving. Jesus had a lot to say about forgiveness, and we have talked about forgiveness in this space a lot, many times before. But sometimes there is some confusion around the application of forgiveness in our relationships. Sometimes I see a lot of uh, misunderstanding and misapplication of Christian teaching and the Bible's teaching on forgiveness. So today, we want to explore what forgiveness looks like with three kinds of people. What does forgiveness look like when you're dealing with the wise person? What does forgiveness look like when you're dealing with a fool? And what does forgiveness look like in the face of evil? So the wise, the foolish, and the evil. And I am indebted to the author Henry Cloud for his teaching on the Bible's um, categories of wise, foolish, and evil. And we are actually giving away his book during this series because I think it's one of the best books theologically and practically on relationships. So if you haven't picked up one, there's one in the back, our gift to you during this series. Um, Jesus, in the passage that Tim just read for us from Matthew 18, is teaching. And Peter walks up to him and he's like, how many times do I have to forgive this idiot? Like, I think that's in the Greek. I think that's technically what it says. But, but basically, he's saying to Jesus, how many times do followers of yours have to forgive? That's his question to Jesus. Peter says, how often do your followers need to forgive? And Jesus, in response, tells a parable. And the parable Jesus tells, there's many places in the Bible that talk about forgiveness. But in this instance, the parable that Jesus tells is about repentant people coming and asking his forgiveness. Jesus' answer comes through this parable. And basically what Jesus says is, my followers show infinite forgiveness to those who seek it. Boundless, infinite forgiveness to those who seek it. So in the parable that Tim just read, a king, Jesus tells this story, and a king decides to settle his accounts with his servants. And this servant comes who owes him 10,000 talents which would be like billions of dollars today. The idea is this is like an unpayable debt. It's a huge, like impossible debt to repay. And the servant begs for patience, give me time, promises to repay everything. And what does the king do? The king simply forgives the debt, the entire debt. And this is like a picture of the forgiveness that God has shown to you and I. But in the story, in the parable, it continues. And that forgiven servant goes to another servant 
and demands that a small loan be repaid. It's like a day's wage. So it's not inconsequential, but it's small in comparison. So the servant who had been forgiven this huge amount, this huge debt, then in turn is unforgiving towards someone who owes him a small debt. The servant who had been forgiven so much can't let go of the debts others owe him. And the parable finishes with the servants around being horrified by this, by the actions of the servant. And so they report it to the king. And the king actually addresses the servant as wicked. To be forgiven such a huge debt and to turn and be so unforgiving towards others, the king says is wicked, it's evil. You want to kill a relationship? Be unforgiving. And the king in this parable shows incredible generosity, incredible forgiveness in verse 27, and yet the king is not a pushover either. He calls evil evil, and he addresses it in verse 34. And Jesus ends the parable like this. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Okay, let's look at what forgiveness looks like with the wise, the foolish, and the evil. If you are a nice, respectable, responsible sort of person, you probably have a problem. And this is your problem. You probably assume everyone responds like you respond. So if, uh, let's say, I... Uh, you know, I, I were to step on your toe, and you were to say, ow, that hurts, please don't step on my toe. You would probably, if you're nice, respond, you would assume that I would respond to your saying, ow, you stepped on my toe, how you would respond. Like, oh gosh, thanks for telling me that, I'm so sorry I did that, I won't do that again. So if you're a nice, responsible, respectable person, you probably think like everybody's going to respond to feedback, how you respond to feedback, or how you think you respond to feedback. <laughs> Like, oh gosh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that, I won't do that again. Sorry that I hurt you. But here is the problem. Not everyone responds like you. Not everybody is like you. In the Bible, um, and plenty of research in psychology, in the field of psychology, has shown us that people respond in kind of some predictable ways. And you have to deal with people differently. You can't deal with everyone assuming that, they are going, that they're going to be loving and responsible and take feedback well and change. You just can't do that. You have to deal with people differently with different tactics. So first of all, the Bible has this category, the wise. You read about the wise people, people of wisdom. Okay, now... A wise person, when the Bible's talking about a wise person, is not necessarily the smartest cookie in the room. Not necessarily the most educated. Not necessarily the most experienced. Not necessarily the most highly trained. When the Bible talks about wisdom, it is talking about a person who when feedback comes into their life, when they receive feedback, 
they hear feedback, when the light shines in their life, in their life, they receive it, first of all, and they change. They accommodate. They respond to the feedback in their life. They may not be the smartest as far as IQ goes, but a wise person as far as the Bible is concerned is somebody who, when they get feedback, when light shows up in their life, they, um, what they do is they adjust themselves to the truth. That's wisdom from the Bible's vantage point. The truth comes, a wise person adjusts themselves to the truth. So, silly example, but like if somebody says to you this afternoon, you're a horse, and you're like, you need medication. Like, I'm not a horse. But then like throughout the week, five more people say that then like you go buy a saddle because you're getting this consistent message in your life. People are telling you, they're giving you this feedback. Sometimes we need to grow in wisdom, but Proverbs 9.9 says, correct a wise person and they will become wiser still. They receive it. They're not defensive. They let it in. They kind of evaluate it, and they go, gosh, you're right. I am like that. Maybe you remember Psych 101 in college. There were these terms in uh, psychology, assimilation and accommodation. Assimilation is you let something in. Accommodation is you actually change. Assimilation, accommodation. A person of wisdom is a person who, number one, they receive the feedback, the light. And not only do they, uh, they receive it and adjust themselves to the truth, but also, this is the second part, they love you for it. The Bible says correct a wise person and they will love you for it. They're grateful you know, you give them feedback, and they go, thank you so much for telling me that. I had no idea, and I'm so glad you told me because I want to get better. They love you for it. They're grateful. In fact, recently I had a courageous conversation with someone where I gave them feedback, and I was a little bit anxious about it because it was one of those conversations like started out like, you know, can I share with you my experience of you. And then I delivered some feedback and I, I was kind of just didn't know how that was going to go. And you know what? This person was so grateful and that conversation, it just produced joy. That is wisdom. That is what the Bible calls wisdom. When the light shows up, not only do we receive it, not only do we allow the truth, like we change based on the truth, but we're grateful. Thank you so much for telling me. And here's the thing, like when I put my leadership hat on, whew, that's the kind of person I want to invest in, right? This is a good return on your investment. Like you can train and develop and equip. I mean, like, like they're going to grow. They're going to keep getting better because they're wise, so that's the third thing the Bible says is that a wise person will grow. So they receive it, they love you for it, and then they grow. So here's the thing, the strategy with a wise person is this. 
problem comes along, you can talk to them about it. When you are dealing with a wise person, you can talk to them about problems. Hey, we got to talk about this, and you discuss it, and things get better, and they're grateful, and you feel like, gosh, I'm so glad I had this interaction. It's helpful. You know, you hear, you hear reflected back, like, if you see that in me again, please let me know because I want to grow. I want to, you know, and uh, so what does forgiveness look like between people of wisdom? First of all, we're still going to hurt each other. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Like, we are going to step on each other's toes. But when you have two people of wisdom, you have two people who are taking responsibility for themselves. And so when we step on each other's toes, we can talk about it. And we can say, I feel hurt that this happened. And is there something that I did? Because I want to change too. I want to know what I could have done better in this situation. But they're still hurt. We're still going to hurt each other. This is still going to happen. Two people of wisdom doesn't mean there's not going to be trouble. There's still going to be times when forgiveness is needed. The 10 most important words in a marriage or an intimate relationship, I'm sorry, I was wrong, would you forgive me? And you want to kill our relationship? Hear those words and be unforgiving. Like keep hanging that over their head. Keep reminding them of their past failures and wrongs. You want to kill intimacy? Be unforgiving. So even with people of wisdom, forgiveness is still needed. But with wise people, you talk about the problems. You give and you receive forgiveness. You talk to each other in a spirit of love and respect. And here's the thing. With wise people those conversations actually make you stronger. It's not like, oh, phew, we just survived that. No, it's actually like, wow, we are better because of that. They're like building blocks, like talking about problems becomes building blocks to a stronger relationship. And forgiveness with wise people is still needed. You can have an interaction with a wise person and have unforgiveness and it can still kill a relationship. So forgiveness is still needed. But let's talk about the next category. Uh, your friend and mine, the fool. Okay. From the Bible's perspective, a fool is someone who's basically causing pain by avoiding responsibility. The fool may, in fact, be the smartest cookie in the room. They might be the most educated, they might be the most brilliant. They might be the most highly trained and experienced. But when you give them feedback, whereas the wise person took it in and adjusted themselves to the feedback, what the fool will do is the exact opposite of that. They will reject it, and then they're going to adjust the feedback to fit them. So you give some feedback to a fool, and they're going to say, well, that's because of the traffic. Well, that's because you never, you know, if you're in the context of work, it might sound like, well, that's because you don't give me enough responsibility. If I had more authority, I could get this job done. The thing that is so difficult when you're dealing with a fool or a person who's in foolish mode is you're you're, you want to talk about the problem, but the problem's never in the room. 
So they deflect and minimize and blame and accuse and if, 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 and excuses, and they externalize. And the problem is traffic, and the problem is the administration, and the problem is the parents or this or that. Uh, and the other thing they will do, remember we talked about how a wise person says, thank you for telling me that. Well, the Bible says in Proverbs 9-7, do not confront a fool or the mocker lest you incur insults upon yourself. So they actually are going to turn it on you. They are actually are going to have an attitude that communicates, who are you to tell me what to do? I mean, you did this and you did that. And so they switch it on you, and now it's all about you, 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 you. You did this, you did that. So confront a wise person, and they will love you for it. Confront a fool, and they will hate you for it. They'll get defensive. So fools cause a lot of pain, often because of unresolved shame, because they're unwilling and unable, perhaps, sometimes, to take responsibility for themselves. And so all you're trying to do is help, but the problem's never in the room. You know, John Gottman, author who has uh, written about relationships, he's predicted with an amazing amount of accuracy if a premarital couple will make it seven years in marriage. And he says there's four biggies that will kill a relationship, four big things that he watches for uh, in making these predictions. He calls them the four horsemen. And uh, what they are, number one, criticism, stonewalling, contempt, and defensiveness, which is what we're talking about here. One of them is defensiveness, where we can't take it in. And the fool is going to get mad at you. They're going to get defensive. They're going to externalize every problem. They're going to explain it away. It's never them. So here's the thing. When it comes to strategy, when it comes to forgiveness, the Bible puts it this way. Do not confront a fool. It says basically all sorts of bad things are going to happen. Do not confront a fool. Stop it. A wise, loving, responsible person like you might be trying to have the conversation about the problem over and over and over again to no avail. You think it's going to help, but here's the thing. They're not listening. They are not assimilating anything you are saying. They are not listening. They're not taking it in. So the technical term for what you are doing, I think, is nagging. You're trying to talk to them about this problem over and over again, expecting a different result. They're not listening. They're not taking it in. Do not confront the fool. Sometimes um, I think we think like, well, maybe if I say it louder, maybe if I say it better, I didn't say it clearly enough, I must not have explained myself, let me try this again. You know, the Bible says the strategy with the wise person, talk about problems. But with a fool, it's a different, you have to have a different conversation. With a fool, you stop talking about the problem, and you change the conversation to the limits and boundaries that now exist. And we talked about this last week, right? 
Like if Johnny's sitting on the couch and you need to and you need to and you need to, he has absolutely no need to do homework or clean his room or pick up the toys in the backyard. And what is mom doing? Nagging, nagging, nagging. He has no need. But if mom takes control of herself and says, hey, Johnny, tomorrow we're going to the Broncos game and I'm going to go and dad's going to go and your sister's going to go. Remember this? And we really, it's going to be super fun. We want you to go. Here's the deal. The people who get to go to the Broncos game are the people who have cleaned their rooms and done their homework and picked up the toys. And at 6 o'clock, we're going to have an inspection. So I'm going to go do my chores now. Bye, Johnny. And all of a sudden, Johnny's like, has that thought he's never had before. i got to do my homework. Right? So you've changed the conversation. We're no longer talking about these things. We're talking about limits and consequences for behaviors. That is how you deal with a fool. So what does forgiveness look like with a fool? This, oh, this can be hard, right? This is very hard stuff. A fool is causing pain by avoiding personal responsibility. And you're, if you are a nice and respectable, responsible person, you might tend to be bailing out the fools in your life. Like time and time again, you're bailing them out. So here is what forgiveness looks like with a fool. You forgive in your heart, and you don't bail them out. You forgive in your heart, and you don't bail them out. So the consequences for their life are their, the consequences fall with them. Now, the problem is, of course, some of those consequences are probably going to fall on you too if you're in relationship with them. But as much as possible, you forgive in your heart, but you don't bail them out. You can have great hope for fools. I mean, fools are not bad people. I mean, let's be honest. If we got rid of all the fools in our lives, we wouldn't have any friends. Right? Fools can be very fine people. But a fool causes a lot of pain because they're not owning their own actions. They're not taking responsibility for their own lives. And here's the thing. Fools are not trying to hurt anybody. They are causing a lot of pain by not taking responsibility for their lives. But they're not trying to hurt anybody. They're just avoiding responsibility. And the fool is not going to listen unless there's consequences, unless there's limits, generally. So here's the deal. Great hope for fools, but not by using the strategy of talking about problems. So forgive in your heart, don't bail them out. Can we talk about evil? And let's actually talk about the person who's engaged in evil, because you know we don't want to call anybody evil. Uh, but let's talk about the ones in your life who may, you may encounter, who are engaged in evil behavior. Evil is not just causing people pain by avoiding responsibility. Evil is actually a desire to inflict pain. So in our parable that Tim read earlier, the king calls the servant wicked. Why? Because he threw the other guy in jail to be tortured until he could pay back. Love is about willing 
the good of another. Evil is about willing the bad. It's about intent. Evil is to will the bad. And here's the thing. We all have the capacity for this. I mean, for those of you who maybe are involved in like major corporations or you sit on boards, maybe you've encountered a meeting that gets really intense and somebody doesn't get their way or they're not in control anymore and they stand up and they look across the room at the CEO or the president and they are like, I will take you down. I will take this whole place down. And the strategy has become to inflict pain. It's not just avoiding responsibility. Now it is, I will inflict pain. And the Bible says the evil person has destruction in their heart. That's the motive. That's the intent. So what does forgiveness look like in the face of evil? A lot of people get hurt because they don't deal with evil well. The wise person, what do we say? We talk about problems. You talk to them. You give them feedback. You resource them. You help them. With the fool, you don't talk about problems. You change the conversation. Now we're talking about limits. We're talking about consequences. And there's hope. The strategy with the evil, you can't talk to them. They don't listen to any kind of consequence. And so here's the thing. You go into protection mode. Because there are some people that you will encounter that might be really, like you may be really, really in danger. When people have destruction as an intent, you have to protect the good. Now forgiveness still applies. It still matters. You still forgive the evil person, but you do not enter into relationship with them when they are seeking your destruction. You forgive because God forgave you, and you remember that forgiveness and reconciliation are two different lanes. Like forgiveness, that can happen with one person. Restoration, reconciliation, relationship, that takes two people. And so what does forgiveness look like in the face of evil? It looks like taking that person and that scenario over and over again to the cross. God, I do not have a right not to forgive. You have forgiven me so much. Help me to forgive this person. And it looks like separation. It looks like disengaging because forgiveness and relationship are two different lanes. They're two different things. Forgiveness can happen in a, in a moment. It often takes a long time, right? We're doing that over and over again. But it can happen in a moment. Sometimes God gives that gift. But rebuilding trust, that takes time. And relationships are built on trust. Their intimacy is built on trust. So we must be wise in the face of evil. Uh, 
and let's just say, as we're talking about these categories, there is no such thing in the Bible as like, we're the good guys. We all have the capacity for all three of these in us. All of us have all three of these, the wise, the fool, the evil, in us somewhere. I mean, there are days when you say to me, like, Susie, you really screwed this up. And I'm like, oh, yeah, wow, yeah, I did. Thank you so much for telling me, right? Wisdom. And there are other days where you go, Susie, you really screwed this up. And it hits me in a place of pain, and I get defensive. Maybe I lash out, and I deflect, and I minimize, and, you know, it's the traffic, and it's all. You know, and then how many times, you know, have you thought on that third category, um, I just want to key their car. It, you know, it's not, it's not just I want to avoid responsibilities. I want to inflict pain. I want them to pay. We all have all three of these in us. And here's the thing. When we encounter the foolish parts in ourselves and the evil in ourselves, when we encounter foolishness in others, and evil. It is an opportunity to return to the cross where we have been forgiven. Jesus said, those who have been forgiven little, love little. So when we encounter these parts of ourselves, it's not to pretend as if they're not there. It's actually to go like, whoo, yeah. I got some foolishness and I got some evil. And to admit it so that God might heal it because those who have been forgiven much love much. We don't come to God by having our act together. We don't come to God by doing everything right. We actually come to God and grow in God by doing it wrong and admitting it. And then receiving that mercy and grace and forgiveness. See, at the cross, you know, at the table, Jesus made a way that no matter how foolish and no matter how evil, that there's no evil too far. There is nothing anyone has done ever that is outside the bounds of God's grace and forgiveness and mercy. And it's as we receive that that we appropriate that in our lives and become people of wisdom. But it's not by pretending like we have our act together. We all have all of these in us. And so as we come to the table now, we come to the very place where Jesus made a way for us to experience forgiveness. And in receiving God's great forgiveness, we're empowered to then extend it to the wise, to the foolish, and to the evil in our lives. So as we come to the table now, let's pray. And let's pray together as Jesus taught us to pray. I welcome you to say these words along with me if you'd like. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.